Amen. Thank you, Mark, for blessing us this morning. So some of you may be familiar with Waldo. Waldo's got books, he's got posters, and the whole idea is to find Waldo. Where's Waldo, right? And, and so I hear from a lot of you, uh, whether we are here on Sunday morning or whether it's Facebook Live, I wonder where they are. So we're just going to go ahead and solve that right now. I am in the sanctuary, and we've got a really cool backdrop behind me. And so we're just going to go ahead and uh, share that information now so you don't have to be wondering why the whole time I'm talking where I am. So again, good to be with you this morning on this Pentecost Sunday. In our personal lives and in the life of the church, we celebrate special days. And one of the, uh, the, the creative things during quarantine is how people have been celebrating birthdays. And like I said, very creative in some fun ways. Not everybody, but, but some. And on my street, we've had several parades go down the street. And I would be out front working in the yard, and all of a sudden there's horns honking and balloons coming from cars and poster boards. And it's been really fun to see who all has had a birthday over these past couple of months. And so you wave as the parade goes by. And then one morning I was out and I happened to have my grandson with me and we heard what we thought was the ice cream truck. And so we were out front, not to get ice cream, but just to you know hear the music and see the truck. And it was a bus, it was a school bus. I live in Mason and it was a Mason City school bus that was coming down the street and it was the cutest thing. They had uh, the front of it decorated and the front of the bus had two eyes and it had a mask over the front of it to make it look like it was a mask that we've all been wearing. And then on the side of the bus, it said happy birthday, and it was spelled out in all the letters of the windows, and it had streamers and balloons, and it was just the cutest thing. And again, of course, I was, you know, holding my grandson, and we were waving as the bus went by. Uh, but it's just been really fun to see uh, how we have been celebrating birthdays, and, and again, in this season. Birthdays and anniversaries, they matter. They matter. And we remember the significance of those days in the church. And one of those days is Pentecost. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And we remember what happened on that day. And we celebrate. Our, our color of celebration is red. And you noticed it in the pyramids uh, up on the uh, altar at the pulpit. So uh, this morning, I'm excited to share this message with you. It's something that God has put on my heart uh, for quite a while, actually back in February, and now I'm beginning to understand what God, I think, was saying uh, to me. And I didn't realize the impact of it until Rona hit. That's what I call corona or covert or whatever, Rona. Didn't realize the impact of it until Rona hit. And it changed our lives. I'm going to talk a little bit about Pentecost and the power of prophecy, the power of prophecy, and how God, he spoke to the prophets in ancient days. But I believe that he still speaks to us today through the power of the Holy Spirit. So again, I'm going to be in a couple different places of scripture. Uh, if you're someone who likes to take notes, I would encourage you to grab a pen and a piece of paper to jot down the ways that God is going to speak to you. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and just descend upon us this morning, Lord, as we come seeking you, your power and your presence in our lives. And God, I pray for the ways that you are going to speak to those that are watching, that are listening through me this morning. So God, we just ask this in your name. So that the kingdom of God, it is not static, it's dynamic. And I want to give you some context of the passage uh, that we're going to read uh, this morning. Uh, it, it comes from the book of Acts. And it was all about this, this context of where the Holy Spirit came and, and he uh, touched their tongues and, and they were filled with the Spirit. And their, their language, it was... Um, 
everybody spoke different languages, but they had clarity and they could hear each other. You see, uh, what happens is, is Pentecost, it, it happened and, and, and the Spirit came and, and landed on their tongues. And, and we pray today that the Lord would give us a fresh infilling of his Spirit. You see, Pentecost changed everything. The Spirit of God uh, would dwell in the temple as we knew. Uh, during those days and, and dwell in the Ark of the Covenant in the temple. In the Temple Mount, it's one of my most favorite places to visit when I'm over in Israel. I've been twice and uh, looking forward to going back in the spring. But I absolutely love the Temple Mount, the teaching steps, just everything around that. And you can just feel the power and the presence of God uh, in that moment. And at Pentecost, the, 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 uh, the Spirit left the temple. It left the temple. And it went into the bodies of believers, and everything was radically changed. You see, the disciples, after Jesus had ascended, they weren't quite sure what was going to happen next. And Pentecost happened, and again, it changed everything. At Pentecost, the Spirit left the temple and went into the bodies of the believers. It's what happens to us when we have that conversion moment and accept Christ into our hearts. We are filled with the Holy Spirit, and we become a temple for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and they had this baptism of the Holy Spirit to impart to them the power that they needed to carry the gospel. You see, it wasn't as if Jesus just descended and said, hey, good luck. No, that's not how it works. And it's not how it works for us today. The Holy Spirit enabled them to go and to share the good news, to give them the power that they needed. And as believers, we still harness this power today. Pentecost, it was a spiritual explosion, a spiritual explosion. Now, the first sign was audible, and we've got a scripture that we're going we're gonna to put up here. The sound must have been tremendous. I can't even imagine. It must have been tremendous. Uh, it, it tells us suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. I want you to remember back with me uh, to the fall of 2008. It's when Hurricane Ike made its way to Ohio. How a hurricane makes its way to Ohio is beyond me. But Ike made its way to Ohio. And it was a Sunday afternoon, and it was unlike anything, anything that we have ever experienced. There was no rain, uh, there was no tornado, and it was all wind. And that sound was tremendous. I can still hear it today. I've never heard wind like that. And, and roofs came off, and, and tree limbs uh, came down, and some trees came down. And you had to struggle to walk outside. I, I remember uh, being outside, and there were some kids that were on skateboards in front of my house. And usually, you know, you have that motion uh, as you kind of use one foot and, and get on the other one to go on the skateboard. No effort. I mean, they're flying down the street just because of the wind. And many of us had lost power for days. I know we had lost power for days. And it was like camping, but in your house. That's my kind of camping. And when I read the scripture, uh, I think of that day, the audible sound of that wind. And, and then the second sign, it was visual. Scripture tells us the disciples um, uh, saw what they saw, they saw what seemed like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. The disciples saw 120 different fires shaped like tongues resting on each other. You see, fire, fire uh, was particularly significant in the Old Testament. It was a tangible um, uh, evidence, it was tangible evidence of God's power. We're reminded that Elijah experienced God's power uh, with the prophets of Baal. Fire from heaven came down. 
Moses experienced uh, God's presence with the fire in the burning bush. And then Isaiah experienced God's holiness when uh, his lips were touched with the burning coals. As Christians, if we want to be used by God, that we need to experience his power, live in his presence, and embody his holiness. The third sign, it was oral. Fifteen different languages. Scripture tells us all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And they were unified with one language, reversing what had happened at the Tower of Babel. We remember that when God had confused their languages. So why was it oral? Why was it oral? How do we share the good news? We do it with our mouths, and we do it with our words. God anointed their lips. And if if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we shall witness with lip and life. Lip, what comes out of our mouth, and our actions, what we do with our lives to those who are not in Christ. And when we do this, the Holy Spirit will be in us, the presence of God in our life, on us, the power of God in our work and through us, the manifestation of God in our testimonies as we share how God works in our lives. And they began to speak. They began to speak just as God had intended. Cessationists believe that the mighty acts of God ended when the apostles died. And people will sometimes say, why don't miracles and, 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 and signs and wonders still happen today like we would read in the ancient scriptures? I believe that God still works in mighty ways today through physical healings, speaking in tongues, which is a prayer language with God, miracles, prophecy, which is God speaking through a person, not a fortune teller, not a psychic, but someone who has a deep sense of God to edify and build up the body of Christ. It came through scriptures and dreams and visions and impressions. I am not a morning person. I don't know about you, but I am not someone who just springs up in the morning. Usually when I, when I start to wake up, I have to think about waking up, and then I have to think about moving, and then I have to think about getting out of bed. Uh, some of you may be like me, and usually that's sometime later. But uh, So this was a particular morning, and it was in February a couple of months ago, and it was one of those mornings where I was starting to wake. wasn't fully awake, but I was starting to wake uh, from my sleep, and I wasn't fully awake, but I heard the word Ezra. And I thought that that was strange. And I kept hearing the word and the name Ezra as I was waking up. And I had this strong feeling that God was trying to tell me something, but I didn't know what. So I I picked up uh, my Bible, and I thought, okay, God, I want you to speak to me. Lord, I ask that you would speak to me through Ezra. I feel like you are giving me this word. And so um, I, I keep a journal, which I highly recommend, and I was able to go back, which helped me to understand things. I brought it today, a little show and tell. Uh, it's about empty, so I've started a new one. Uh, but it's got owls on the front of it, and I picked owls because I pray for wisdom. I pray for the wisdom of God uh, as he speaks to me through Scripture. Uh, so uh, again, just uh, I felt God speaking to me, and it was to read the book of Ezra, and I journal uh, in this book. Anytime I read Scripture, 
uh, which is pretty much every day, um, what God is speaking to me. So it's not, it's a devotion time, but it's also a time um, where we connect with God. It's where we have the opportunity to hear his voice. It helps us to hear his voice. So if you are not in that habit of reading scripture every day or even journaling, I would just encourage you to do it. It is such a blessing. And then to be able to go back to it, to say, oh my gosh, it's a connecting of the dots. Because sometimes we, we feel like God is speaking to us, but we don't totally understand. And if we are able to capture those things, we can go back to it. So I, I want to give you just the cliff notes of Ezra. It's not a long book. Uh, Ezra was a priest. He was a scribe, and he was a great leader. And he's got his own book uh, that we find in the Old Testament, which shares his and God's story of how he led the Israelites uh, out of the Babylonian captivity back in Jerusalem, and he spearheaded the effort uh, with others to rebuild the temple. Now, you can imagine what, what it must have looked like after 70 years um, that the Israelites were in captivity and when they came back to Jerusalem. And I felt and I sensed as I journaled again back in February uh, that, that, that there was going to be a rebuilding of the church. You know, Ezra was, was uh, given this charge to rebuild the temple, uh, and, and when we look at the temple, we can look at that as the church today. So again, I just, I just felt this in my spirit. I felt God saying to me, there's going to be a rebuilding of the church. Uh, just to share with you a little bit, that Nehemiah and Ezra are one book in the Hebrew Bible. So I also had read Nehemiah as well. And, and both of those are post-exile books. Uh, in the Old Testament. And Nehemiah, uh, again, uh, well, he was tasked to, to rebuild the walls, where Ezra was to rebuild the temple, but they were working in conjunction together. Again, Ezra with the temple and Nehemiah to rebuild the walls. And the leaders, they were trying to get in Nehemiah's head that the wall couldn't be rebuilt. It was too massive of an undertaking. And when you've been to Jerusalem and you see these walls, I can't even fathom, it is a massive undertaking, a massive undertaking. They were trying to discourage him and psych him out, if you will. And he responds with them in this letter back to them. And we find it in Nehemiah 6, 8, and 9. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head, he says. They were trying to frighten their thinking. But oh, he said that their, their hands would just be too weak for the work and it would not get completed. Again, their, their, this letter was just outlining all of these ways that Nehemiah was not going to be able to complete the work. So how did Nehemiah respond? He responds to God in a prayer, now strengthen my hands. That's how Nehemiah responded. And boom, guess what happened? God strengthened his hands and that wall was rebuilt in record time. So again, I want to take us back to February when I read Ezra. And again, sensing that God was telling me something, but I didn't know for sure what it was. So back in February, I thought it, it was a rebuilding of the United Methodist Church. General Conference uh, was supposed to be this month, as many of us know, and it's been postponed uh, to 2021. And I still believe that there's going to be a rebuilding of the UMC and there'll be new affiliations. Um, but I also believe, too, that it was something other uh, than the UMC. As I looked back uh, on my journal that I just uh, shared with you, I started reading Ezra on February 12th. You think February 12th, no big deal. Fast forward to March 12th, a month later. We had an emergency staff meeting here at church, and that was the day that we decided to close the church based on the protocol given by Governor DeWine. 
little did we know what was going to happen. And in February, little did I know uh, what was going to happen when I was reading that scripture. We are experiencing a rebuilding of the church. And it's not just the United Methodist Church, but the global church. We're worshiping in ways that we would have never imagined. And this time is challenging. God is doing something new in the midst of the challenges, doing something new. And we have times where we're frustrated that things aren't moving along the way that we would want them to, do, to be. And our hands, they feel like they're weak. And then we have others maybe that might be making us feel hopeless, but we remember that prayer of Nehemiah that he asked of God to strengthen his hands, not to take away the challenge, not to take away the difficulty, the voices that were trying to persuade him, but to strengthen his hands. So in March, when uh, all of this hit, I asked God where uh, he wanted me uh, to go next and where he wanted to speak to me uh, in the Holy Scriptures. And he led me to the book of Ezekiel. Now, Zeke, it's a hard book to read. It is a hard book to read, mercy. And I paired my devotion time with another uh, book out of the uh, New Testament uh, when I was reading that. In Ezekiel, it's about exile and what Ezra had led them out of. So all of this connected at the dots. And the Israelites, again, were exiled to Babylon for 70 years, 70 years. So we are in what it seems to be a rebuilding of the church in some sense. And we have a taste, we have a taste of what exile is like, a taste of it. And as, as Ezekiel concludes, the exiles returned to Jerusalem and they were different. The time had been a time of refining, of restoration, of renewal. And there were new generations that were formed as they made their way back to Jerusalem. I pray that we are different. I pray that we're different from the way that we came into this and the way that we are going to come out of it, fully come out of it, right? And one day we will. But that we are different. This has been a time that we've been changed for the good. So be encouraged. God is with us. In, in what ways has uh, this exile been a blessing for you? How are you different? Where do you see more of God than you did before? I talk to many of you, and, and, and this is a mixed blessing. For some, it's been very hard, especially when we've got loved ones that have been in the hospital and we're not able to be with them. Uh, for those that have lost a loved one and we can't have that funeral, you know, it's, it's challenging. But others uh, that maybe have had a hectic schedule, things have slowed down and stopped, and they're not running here, there, and everywhere, and they're not traveling all week for work, and they're able to spend time with their families and redeem this time. And relationships have fostered and have bloomed and have grown in this season. So what areas of your life and faith journey do you need God to strengthen your hands? To strengthen your hands. You have Pentecost power. You have Pentecost power. We find the words of Jesus in Acts 1 before he ascended. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. So a question for you this morning, are you flammable, like gasoline, easily ignited, or uh, ignited by the Holy Spirit, or are you fire resistant, like a fireman's uniform? I want you to think about this in a different way. 
We want to be flammable, friends. We want to be flammable. We want to catch that fire of the Holy Spirit, and we want it to burn inside of us. We don't want to walk around like a fireman's uniform, right, where we're completely protected, where the Holy Spirit can't get inside of us. So are you flammable or are you flame-resistant? So let's take a moment just to be honest. Some of us have a fire burning bright inside of us, and some of us have a low flame. And maybe for others, it could be a flicker, or maybe that flame has gone completely out. But it doesn't mean that it can't be reignited, reignited, a a, a new fanning of the flame, to seek God, a fresh filling of his spirit. And it's okay to ask for it every day, because every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. And so I've been trying to get in the habit of that in my prayer time, that God, you would just give me a fresh filling of your spirit. And it makes all the difference with how you go through your day. You see, the Holy Spirit is looking for fireplaces. Some of you have fireplaces in your homes. The Holy Spirit is looking for fireplaces. Are you available to how God can work through you? Are you available to how God can work through you? I'll go ahead and lead us into a time of prayer. Won't you join me? God, we thank you for this time. And God, we thank you as we look back upon these scriptures in the book of Acts of Pentecost. And God, it's not something that we read in the history books, but it's something that is available to us today. That we're Pentecost people and that you live inside each and every one of us. In the midst of chaos, there is opportunity. God, we know that you didn't create this, but you will use it to redeem this time to your glory. Father, I pray for spiritual awareness of how you are speaking to us and the ways you want to use us. I pray for Pentecost moments. I pray for those who don't have a relationship with Jesus. And all of this is new. And if you are that person and you want to invite Jesus into your heart, pray this prayer with me. God, I confess these sins. These sins that that keep me away from you. Lord, I give them to you and I repent and turn away. Lord, hear our prayers. And Jesus, I ask that you would be Lord of my life, that you would be my Lord and Savior. And Jesus, I ask that you would come into my life in this moment. And if you are someone who already has Jesus in your life, just recommit that. Recommit that Jesus is Lord of your life. God, I pray that you would fill us with your power and your presence. Come, Holy Spirit, come. I pray for a fresh filling of your spirit. I pray for a wind that when we feel it and when we see it, or that we would be reminded of Pentecost Sunday. God, impart your gifts in this moment. I pray for your spirit to fall afresh and a mighty wind to fan the flame in us. And God, where that flame is low, that it would be fanned. 
And Lord, where the flame has gone out, that it would be reignited. God, we come this morning harnessing your power in your presence. It's in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.